Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church, our Olathe campus. My name is Chris Frown. I have the privilege of being our uh, student ministry pastor here. Um, I want to welcome you if you're visiting this morning or if you're a first-time guest. If you are under the age of, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to say 11 or something, but if you're under the age of 40 and want something to help follow along this morning, it's supposed to be, it's a kid connect sheet that we've got designed for children and for kids under the age of 11. Uh, some things to help you, if, so if you're under that age, we've got a sheet that's help, designed to help you follow along during the service, to stay engaged so that when I get boring, you've got something to do. I think it could also be helpful when you're on your ride home with your parents, you can quiz your parents and see if they actually listened. Maybe if, you, if they get something wrong, then you can tell them they have to buy you ice cream or something like that. Um, if you come up to the front afterwards and show one of us that you did the sheet, we will hook you up with candy too, so it's a win for everybody. The candy's for the kids, so adults, if you come up with the sheet looking for candy, I'll just tell you to go buy some or something, all right? But if you are, uh, if you are visiting uh, with us this morning, we're also in the mid- middle of a year-long series going uh, through the Bible called Open Here. We're reading one chapter uh, a day to kind of take us through the Bible from beginning to end to, to read the entire story of the Bible. And last week we started a series focusing on the books of poetry um, in, in the middle of the Bible, and we're going through Psalms right now. So this morning we're going to be looking at, at Psalms, uh, Psalm number 103. How many of you enjoy listening to music? Favorite band or favorite musician? Yeah. You know, music is important to a lot of us uh, for, for a variety of reasons. I think in part because it connects with us. Sometimes it speaks to us in our experience and our emotions, and it can move us. You know, and have you ever had it when you're in the car and you're here and you're having a rough day and it just feels like you got a ton of junk on your shoulders and everything just kind of makes you grumpy, even things that shouldn't? And then you hear one of your favorite songs come on the radio or on Pandora because all the cool people have Pandora in their cars or something these days. Yeah, I have, a, I have like a really old car with an AM radio, so I haven't upgraded yet. But And you're listening to your, your radio in your car and you hear your favorite song and suddenly... You could smile just that little bit easier. Things are just that little better. You start singing along and then people drive by you and start laughing at you or something. Music can do that to us, can it? Music's powerful. I've always been a little bit off the beaten path when it comes to the music that I like and a little off the beaten path is probably a pretty generous statement. You know, I remember when I was in middle school, just finishing eighth grade, and I discovered a band called the Ramones, and a whole new world opened to me. And I love some really cute-looking guys, huh? Yeah, but I love their music. When I heard it the first time, it it blew my mind. And for year, ever since then, they have been my favorite band ever. Coolest concert I have ever gone to. They played sixty-five songs in two hours. It was amazing. You know, I discovered a band called U2 at about the same time who are still going today. I started listening to a lot of like European bands. One of my favorites was always a band called New Order. And I discovered other bands, electronic dance music and DJs like the Chemical Brothers and Daft Punk. Ever heard of them? They just came out with a new one that's supposed to be really good. The last few years, I've been really, really into one guy, though, a DJ named Bass Nectar. All right? And it's not just because he has lots of awesome hair. Okay? You know, that's not it. I just love his music. 
I love the beats. I love the energy, the sound. It's so creative. I just love his music. Have you ever been to a concert from one of your favorite musicians or one of your favorite bands? It's awesome, isn't it? The whole day leading up to it, you're kind of full of nervous energy and anticipation. You can't wait. You get to the venue early. And by early, I mean like way before you even need to get there. And the people that are with you that are maybe just along for the fun, they're a bit annoyed you're there that early. And when they let you go in, you, you go find your seat right away to see how awesome your seat is. Or if there's no seating, you crush right to the front to make sure you can get to, to the very front, or, or, or I do sometimes. And, and what happens when all they do is come on stage? They, don't, they haven't even sung a note. What, you, what, do you, what do you do right away? You start screaming like a 12-year-old girl who sees Justin Bieber at the mall, right? You go nuts. Ah! You're just that excited, all right? And then thank goodness the music is loud, right? Because as soon as they start playing their music, even the songs you don't like, what happens? You start singing along in all your monotone, can't-carry-a-tune glory, right? You're just belting it out and hoping no one around you can hear, hear you. That's why I always feel bad for the people who sit in front of me at church when Patrick plays a song I love. I just gotta, I gotta be killing you guys with my voice. But when you go to a concert for a band you love, you just can't help but be carried away with it. And that's kind of what happened to me when I went to the Bass Nectar concert in Lawrence in October. And I went with some kids from the Leewood campus who also really like his music, and that way I could justify being an old dude at that concert, right? It was me and like 5,000 other people outside in this park, and there's this the guy right in front in the blue wearing, uh, holding that flag in the air. My head is like right under his armpit. I was like crushed right to the front. And he had 300,000 LED lights and a screen behind him and in front of him for a whole light and laser show the whole time. The whole line across the stage, probably 100 feet, was nothing but cabinets of 18-inch subwoofers. And when he came on stage and the lights went up and he dropped that first song, it was awesome. It was so cool. The bass was so heavy, I could feel the vocal cords in my throat vibrating on their own. It was so cool. And we were jumping up and down, and we were singing, and we were doing a lot of like this, like looking goofy, but it was so much fun. Oh, it was great. And if I had to describe what happened at that concert, when that guy, Bass Nectar, came on stage... If I had to describe what happened, I said, we were essentially praising his ability as a musical artist. I was praising his ability to put on a great show, combining the lights and the music. I was praising his ability to take songs and mix them together, to take a song that I thought was familiar and change it so it sounded completely different. I already loved his music, but when I got to the concert and I was confronted by the spectacle of the lights and the sound and the show, I couldn't help but respond in praise of his ability. And then I bought the t-shirt, all right? Which, I'm a bass head, I can't help it. Praising God should work the same way, shouldn't it? But does it always? And if it doesn't, why doesn't it? 
Has our ability to praise something and more specifically God, has it been limited to when we experience him him in new and fresh ways? Or, Or when we do have the chance to praise God, are we more worried about how we look to the people around us while we're doing it? Or do we only think we can praise God properly when we're in a group of other people in a worship service or church context? Or is praise of something slowly being reduced to just hitting the like button? I think part of the challenge, part of the challenge is that negativity and cynicism are just a big part of our culture right now. It's just really easy to rip something apart and say why you don't like it. It's even cool to some people to just deconstruct and insult things that are supposed to be maybe cool. And even as Christians, we can fall into this temptation really easy of more easily talking about what we're against and what we don't like than what we do like and what we're for. I'm guilty of that as well. And then there are the questions that we sometimes have about praising God that we're maybe afraid to ask. What is the purpose of praising God? Does he actually benefit from us praising him? How do we benefit from praising God other than feeling good in the moment? Do we praise him because we're supposed to? Because we should? And then what if we don't feel like praising? I think these are all really legitimate questions. And we're not the only ones that have them. C.S. Lewis, who's, who's regarded, regarded as a, uh, a theologian, uh, a, gi- a giant of a theologian in, the, in this past century, in his book called Reflections on the Psalms, you know, he said he always found it a stumbling block in the demands so clamorously made by all religious people that we should praise God. Still more in the suggestion that God himself demanded it. It was most hideously like saying, what I most want is to be told that I am good and great. He feels the same way about praise as we do sometimes. But he continues later in the same chapter in this book to say, but the most obvious fact about praise strangely escaped me. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. The worthier the object, the more intense this delight would be. The praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. The worthier the object, the more intense this delight would be. C.S. Lewis reminds us that we tend to praise what we enjoy, don't we? I enjoy my family, coffee, cycling, hockey, and bass nectar, apparently. Do I enjoy these things regularly and often? Yes, and for people who are around me on a regular basis, sometimes I enjoy them too much in terms of how I talk about them and and, and my praise and my enjoyment of them and my talking about them makes my enjoyment so complete sometimes through talking about those things that I love that sometimes I get to a point where I don't understand why you guys don't like cycling the way I do. And I hope you feel the same way about the things that you enjoy. 
I hope that you are passionate enough about the things that you enjoy, that the way you talk about them and the way you praises them leads you to believe that you have no idea why people don't enjoy them the way you do. What, what do you praise and enjoy? Do you praise and enjoy God the same way you praise and enjoy other things in your life? And C.S. Lewis actually reminds us that the answer should be a resounding no. Because if the worthier objects deserve more praise, more enjoyment, and more intense delight, then God should be at the very top of the list of things that we enjoy and praise, and our delight of him should be the greatest. If, as C.S. Lewis puts it, the worthier objects should receive greater praise and enjoyment, then praising God shouldn't be that hard. Praising God just shouldn't be that hard. So this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 103, and we're going to use it to understand why praising God shouldn't be that hard. And we're going to look at the idea that praise should be a choice, and that praise means that we can't forget, and that how can we not praise? Praise shouldn't be that hard. But sometimes it is. Sometimes it just feels that we are up to our necks in junk and the junk just keeps rising. We feel tough things on every side. We feel beat down and we feel like nobody is on our team. And sometimes it's in those moments that we have to make a conscious decision to praise God despite how we feel despite what's going on in our life, because praise sometimes needs to be a choice. You know, I remember when I was in college, and my girlfriend, who is now my wife, Heather, had a little note card on her fridge that her father had given her, and the note card said, happiness is a choice. And I saw that card, and it made a pretty big impression on me. So the idea is, when we choose to be happy, we will become happy. And for the psalmist in verses 1 and 2, it's as if he needs to remind himself as well that he needs to praise God. It's as if he's commanding his very soul, his very being to praise God. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. John Stott says, it's as if the author confronts himself with his duty and exhorts his own sluggish soul to worship. Sometimes we just need to remind ourselves to praise and then to start doing it. And then when we do praise, the author says in those first, two verse, uh, first three verses that we should do two things. First, we need to praise God's name, the name Yahweh. When we read in the first three verses there, it says, praise the Lord. The Lord is the, how it's been translated from the Hebrew word Yahweh. And that name for God would have instantly reminded the Israelites, all the readers, the people who heard this passage, would have reminded them completely of God's character and who he was. Yahweh to readers then, and hopefully to us, would signify who God is. His oneness, his sovereignty, his power, and his eternal and unchanging nature. So the psalmist calls us to praise God's name, but the psalmist also calls us 
to, uh, calls us and himself not just to praise God, his name and his character, but also to remember God's many benefits and blessings that we experience through being in a relationship with him. Because sometimes, even despite how much we've been blessed, when we become immersed in difficulty and we face challenges, we begin to think that we're not blessed. We begin to think and ask that question, God, what have you done for me lately? And have you ever noticed that sometimes, too, that it can even be the very small things that come against us that cause us even the most easily to think that God hasn't done anything good for us lately? Even the smallest things can set us off and help us forget. But the psalmist, through his own example, reminds us that praise is a choice. We have to choose to enter into a mindset of praise. And to do that, and for our whole life to be a life of praise, praise has to be not just a choice, but a discipline. Something that we practice regularly. It's something we have to choose to practice regularly until that praise becomes our new normal. Notice how the psalmist makes himself praise. He actually tells himself to do that. He writes, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's as if he's saying, bless the Lord, self. Bless the Lord, Chris. He's begging his whole being to engage in praise with God, not just his voice, not just his mind, not just his actions, but his entire being, his soul. If his soul engages in praise of God, then his entirety will also. And he has to work at praising God. It takes effort. It's a discipline at first. And when we practice this discipline of praying, we start by telling ourselves to pray or to praise. A couple weeks ago, Nathan quoted an author, uh, Paul David Tripp, from his book, Dangerous Calling. And I think the quote is actually really applicable for this morning as well. Paul David Tripp wrote in his book, No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. Whose voice do you hear the most? Probably that voice inside your head. The most powerful motivator of myself, of Chris, is me. It's me reminding myself to pray in sadness or in happiness, no matter the circumstances. We have to tell ourselves to praise, because praise is a discipline that we have to practice and praise is a choice that we have to make. And when we choose to praise, how can we forget the many benefits of blessings of being in a relationship with God and that he bestows on us? And when we praise and remember those things, praise can't forget. You know, I'm getting older in case you, you haven't noticed. I know a lot of the kids in the student ministry sure notice. And, um, you know, I'm not as old as some people who are here this morning, so something's still working for me, but I'm losing my hair and I'm going a little bit gray and I try and cover it up and make everyone think I'm not by shaving it off on a regular basis. And, you know, my left knee's been reconstructed twice, so it feels like it used to belong to a 95-year-old grandmother. You know, and maybe the hardest part is my memory's just not as good as it used to be. And, one of the biggest sources of amusement and frustration sometimes at my house is recounting some of the ridiculous things that I've said. And sometimes my wife and daughters, they like to say, 
I can't believe you said that. And then I'll say, I didn't say that. I'd never say anything like that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. At which point I probably have to acknowledge the fact that if it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, I probably did say it. Sometimes my memory is just not what it used to be or what I think it used to be. My memory of some things, including things that I've said, isn't that great. But the psalmist calls us to remember God's blessings and benefits, and then he proceeds to do it. And by doing it, by speaking those benefits and blessings, he remembers it. And he begins in verse 3 in a really personal way. All the blessings that he lists, lists, the grammar in those first three, uh, in verses 3 to 5, are all in the singular. So they're all benefits and blessings that the psalmist has personally experienced himself. And then in verses 6 to 19, all of those benefits are listed in the plural. They're all benefits and blessings that everybody is intended to experience or has experienced. And it's the personal nature of the things that he lists in verse 3 to 5, I think that can lead us to believe that this is the psalmist or David writing this psalm later in his life as he's had some time to reflect on just how he's been blessed by God, even when it it didn't feel like God was watching out for him. In praising God, it's not just that we are remembering who God is and what he's done for us. In praising him, we are not allowing ourselves to forget And in praising, we're assuming a humble posture. We are the lesser praising the greater. We remember who we are in relationship to God. And when you praise something you truly love, how can you you forget why it is that you love that thing? Praising is not just the act of praising that thing. It is also the act of not forgetting why you love that thing in the first place. And we all know what it's like to try and remember how much we love something that we've loved for so long, right? As the years go by, it's not that we love something less, but sometimes our words to describe our love for that thing or that person just don't flow as easily. And soon, the, re- our, our, the reason that we give for loving that, that something or that someone is just, well, I just do or I just always have. Praising what we love Praising the God that we love means that we can't forget. And when we begin to praise, the act of praising doesn't allow us to forget. And have you ever had one of those moments where you're struggling for words to kind of define how you're feeling about something, and all of a sudden it clicks, and the words begin to just tumble out, and you feel like you're on a roll, and you've never described it in just that way? It's a great moment. And when that happens, praising doesn't allow us to forget. And when we praise, it's imprinted on our hearts and our minds and our souls, our beings. And the psalmist in writing Psalm 103, it seems like he has one of those moments where he gets on a roll and he just doesn't stop. He starts praising and then it flows and we see this amazing lists of benefits and blessings that he's experienced and he sees that others have experienced as well. And I think it would be really helpful this morning for us to go through that list of blessings starting in verse 3 and go all the way through verse 19. And I'll read them slowly and kind of summarize them. I want you to see which ones connect with you, which ones you've experienced, which ones resonate with you. 
And in doing so, maybe find a way to acknowledge to God that you understand that that blessing and benefit you've experienced and you understand it active in your life. And maybe that's just a smile that God can see. Maybe it's a nodding your head for God to see. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but Pastor Nathan, when he sees or hears something that he really likes in the office or a lot, he even does it up here sometimes, when he sees or hears something he really likes, he goes, mm. Like he gives it that verbal affirmation that it's something good. It's not just for food either. And I'm not saying you should all, mm, if you hear something that I'm saying, but I want to encourage you to respond and acknowledge to God. If you hear something in this list of blessings, acknowledge to God that you have heard and you have remembered one of these blessing benefits to you and that you won't forget. And I'll read them through slowly. Psalmist writes in verse 3, God forgives all our sins and heals us. God forgave my sins. He forgave your sins. How amazing is that? In verse 4, God not only pulled me out of the pit, out of despair, he then goes one further and crowns me with love and mercy. In verse 5, it says, God satisfies me with what he knows is good for me. He gives me what is good for me. God is good, isn't he? In verse 6, it says, God works justice for those who are politically and socially oppressed. He cares for even the least. Just a note that the psalmist starts these communal benefits with listing those who are at the very bottom, the least who are suffering the most. And if he is there for them, we can be assured that he is there for us. Such a beautiful picture. God is there for the least. In verse 7, God makes his way known to his people throughout history. God wants to reveal himself to us. God wants to reveal himself to me. God, the Lord and the creator of the universe, wants to know little me. That just blows my mind. Verse 8, God's anger is slow and he is full of mercy and grace. Thank goodness, because I give him plenty of reasons to be angry. In verse 9, not only is his anger slow, but when he finally does get angry, we can be sure that his anger will fade. God doesn't hold grudges. And it turns out in regards to sin, when we ask for forgiveness, God has a bad memory as well. How awesome is that? Verse 10, God doesn't give us what we deserve. I know what I deserve because I know what is in my heart. Thank you, God. In verse 11, his love is steadfast and higher than the heavens. Not even NASA can measure how far into space his love goes. 
Verse 12. He removes our sins so far from us that no, me- no distance can measure it. It's unbelievable. In verse 13. He shows us compassion just like a loving father shows his young children. Such a beautiful picture. Verse 14. God remembers where we came from and how we were made. He knows me better than I know myself. Verse 15 and 16. Not not only does he know where we've come from, he knows where where we're going. Thank goodness he does because... Most of the time, I feel like I have no idea where I'm going. In verse 17 and 18, God's love goes forever and ever and ever to those who love him. His love knows no bounds. In verse 19, he rules over all. I don't need to worry. He is in control when everything feels out of control. Thank you, God. And if that list wasn't amazing enough, each one of those benefits and blessings is perfectly lived out through the life of Jesus as well. Because it's not as if all those benefits and blessings were just in the past and we have to rely on, on the fact that they were, but they were brought to perfect completion through the life and the love of Jesus for us. And that today we can continue to reap the benefits of those blessings and benefits through the power of the Holy Spirit, which if we love God, dwells within us. We can be sure that each one of these benefits and blessings is alive and real to us Today, how could I ever forget these blessings and benefits of God? Because when we praise God, when we remember all he has done for us, all he is doing for us right now, and all he will continue to do for us, how can we ever forget that? When we praise God, we cannot forget him and his goodness. When we praise and we remember and we never forget God and his goodness in our lives, it will overflow into every part of our lives. Into our thoughts, into our words, into our deeds, into the spirit and the attitude in which we do everything. And when that happens, how can we not praise him? When we read through that list of benefits and blessings of God, and remember that's not the whole list, we could spend hours making our our own list. When we read that list, how can we not praise him and who he is? Because if you weren't even moved just a little bit by what was on that list, then maybe you don't know him quite the way you think you do. Maybe you need to experience his love and his grace in a new way. 
When we praise God, it overflows into every part of our lives and becomes a natural and almost instinctual response to who God is. And when that happens, others see it. And they don't just see it, they hear about it and they experience it. Because if you ask the students in the student ministry that I get the privilege of hanging out with on a regular basis, the things that I'm passionate about, I hope they will say, and I hope in this order too, they'll say, Jesus, my family, coffee, cycling, and then weird music. Because the things that I love, I tend to talk about. Because they're not just a part of who I am, they're, they're an expression of who I am, and I am uh, culminating, my, my delight in them is uh, fulfilled by talking about them. Because I love those things, because they're a part of who I am, I share my love of those things with other people. When we praise God and his character and his benefits and blessings, and that becomes a regular and normal part of our lives, we tend to invite others into praise of him with us. We naturally share what we know about God's goodness with others who also believe in him and love him. And so praise invites others to join in. Praise becomes a normal part of how we live and we invite other people into his goodness to experience it with us. In Psalm 103, the psalmist at the the end, verses 20 to 22, he calls out to the angels and all the whole hosts and all of creation and says, join in praise with me of God. It's not enough to praise God alone. When praise is a normal part of our understanding and experience of God and his goodness, we want others to join in with us and experience his goodness, to experience and understand who God is. Praise invites others to join in. In 1 Peter 3, verse 15, Peter writes that even when we are suffering and experiencing hardship and difficult times, we should be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. When praise is a normal part of our understanding and experience of God and his character and his blessings, praise in good times and bads is not just an expression of the hope that we have, but it can become a way of living into the hope that we have. John Donne, who was an English poet in in the 15th century, wrote that he imagined his life was like the tuning of an instrument. That everything he did was in preparation for what was to come. So I have to ask myself, do I see my life as now or as the culmination of something yet to come? Am I right now living a masterful performance of Mozart's Flute Concerto Number 2 in D minor? Or am I practicing for that masterful performance of praise in the future? Is what and how I am living the tuning of an instrument for a time to come when even more and perfect and beautiful music will be made for God when Jesus returns? To the trained ear, and I certainly do not have a trained ear, but to the trained ear, when you hear music's being tuned, even that tuning can be a beautiful noise because that person knows the intent of the musicians and their desire to play beautiful music. 
the composer or um, the conductor of the orchestra or the group, when they hear the tuning of the instruments, they enjoy it because it signals the intent of the musicians to play well and play beautifully together. The musician who never tunes their instrument, can they ultimately really care about the music they are going to play? Our lives are like the tuning of instruments. We live in preparation and praise for greater things to come when Jesus returns, when he will complete what he's already started in us. We praise to show our delight in what we love and our praising of it makes our delight complete. And when our delight is made complete, it becomes evident to other people. And when we praise We signal others of the great music that is to come and we invite them to join in with us. When we praise, we practice before others our hope of what our life will become through through the return of Jesus. When praise is a normal part of our experience of God, praise becomes our apologetic Praise becomes the reason for the hope that we have, our explanation for why we believe. Kids, with that, that's what that word apologetic means. It means the reason for what we believe and why we believe it. Praise can become our apologetic. It can become the reason for the hope that we have and a way of living into the hope that we have. Life is hard. Life isn't fair. If your parents have told you it is, I hate to say it, they're lying to you. Life is not fair. Tough things are going to come. Hard things will always face us. And we can't only praise when things are perfect. We must praise God for his character and blessings in good times and in bad. My wife and I, Heather, we have a she has a, a very close friend um, who as of late it feels like has just experienced one challenge after another. And just when you feel like things couldn't get more difficult for her, more junk just gets piled on top of her. And the other day she told my wife Heather that life was not about waiting for the storm to pass but about, about learning to dance in the rain. Life is not about waiting for the storm to pass, but learning how to dance in the rain. She wants to choose to praise regardless of the circumstances. She chooses to praise because in doing so, she can't forget the goodness of blessings of God just because there's a storm, just because they feel far away in distance. And when she does that and she remembers God's goodness and blessings, how can she not praise even when it's raining? Given God's goodness and blessings, praising just shouldn't be that hard. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you for who you are. We praise you for who you are, who you have been, and who we know you will be. 
Lord, we thank you for your blessings and your benefits that you so freely give us even when we don't deserve them. Lord, thank you for being near to us even when times are difficult. Give us the courage to trust that even when times are difficult, you are near, even when we can't feel you. And Lord, when times are difficult and we can't feel you are near, help us to have the courage and the strength to choose to praise you even when we don't want to. Help us to give the Help us to have the courage to to tell ourselves that we should praise you. Not just so that that you will change things, but because we will then remember who you are and how you have blessed us and how you are near us and how you will watch out for us and how you will never, ever leave us alone. Lord, we pray for the strength to praise you regardless of our circumstances. And Lord, we pray that when we do praise you and we do remember who you are and your benefits for us, that praising won't be just something that we do, it just becomes a part of who we are and it just naturally flows into our lives in a way that our entire life is a testament to your goodness and your blessings and your beauty and your love. Amen.